do if you really do what you want to do uh, you never work a day in your life for one and two it all falls into place gradually the work ethic is there the passion importantly the passion is there the interest is there then your creativity your your aptitude for learning your willingness to learn your your willingness to improve it comes without any effort that's that's the beauty of it if you follow your passion and you follow what you really want to do the beginning it might be difficult to to really see the the light in the tunnel but as you know if you plow through it a little bit and you just work a bit harder and so on and then then it all falls into place in a very natural way nothing is forced hello people out there and welcome to seek your purpose podcast i'm your host mayank sehra Before we proceed ahead if you haven't done so please hit the subscribe button so you never ever miss an episode that time we upload it Today in this episode I have been joined on board by an amazing personality who is going to represent India in equestrian sport in the upcoming Tokyo Olympics Fawad Mirza A 28 years old Indian equestrian from Bangalore who won silver medals in both individual and team eventing in Jakarta Asian Games 2018 he became the first indian since 1982 to win a medal at an individual event there ending india's 36 years old drought later in 2019 he was felicitated with arjuna award for showing his valor and contributing to india's sports field forward who had a rich cultural family history with horses developed an early interest in this sport right from the age of 6 so like every student during his 20s he also had a tough time while making a choice between a full-fledged secured corporate life or giving a chance to his dire passion and immense love calling for this sport and we can say that he made an excellent choice so during this conversation we touched upon many aspects of Fawad's life right from his ancestral history to his childhood early life studies and of course the undying love for his horses and equestrian sport he laid the importance of both physical and mental fitness in his career and especially at this time when his biggest life event the olympics are just 90 days apart he also guided us a road map for young students who are seeking out to build a career in this classy sport and also touched upon some amazing suggestions for the upliftment of this sport in our country Let's just straight away to the brilliant yet honest conversation with Fawad Mirza. Hello my special guest and welcome to my show. So instead of me telling people about you, why don't we hear it from the horse's mouth itself? Hi everyone, I'm Fawad Mirza and uh um I'm an equestrian athlete representing India. and uh yeah that's my short and brief introduction <laughs> that was so honest and so straight forward of you fawad now let's jump straight to my first question for you i heard that you have a very rich cultural family history as far as horses are considered it's somewhere dated way back 200 years ago i guess so what was that can you brief us a bit about your family history and your ancestral touch with these Yes that is absolutely right when you say that and um so my great 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 for my basically my forefathers before me they were 
uh, horse dealers and they moved to India from Iran and they brought Arab horses to sell here in India. And this is many, many years ago and also during the British Raj time and so on. So that's that's it's a long-standing history with the animal, and um, I'm sure if I even if I wanted to, uh, uh, or if I didn't want to, I'd, I'd obviously end up doing something with horses. So that's that's a bit my story. So I can't get it out of my system even if I wanted to. <laughs> yep, that was a very fortunate event that actually led to the rise of Fuad Mirza. Yes, yes. <laughs> How was your early childhood like? Your parents, your family, your college, your studies. I I grew up uh, in Bangalore. My my father is a veterinarian who specializes in treatment of horses and my mother is um, runs a chain of nursery schools called the First Steps Nursery School. So my childhood obviously was very much involved uh with horses and riding and and farm animals and so on because my father um was running a stud farm at that time and uh, they were breeding horses for racing so i grew up around animals and falling in love with you know ducks geese dogs uh, you name it i studied went to school in 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 bangalore right up until 12th standard so yeah pretty much lived all my ch- uh, young young days in in bangalore what about your higher education and all So my higher education I went after school I took a year off um and then I was uh, focusing on my riding at that point but after that I applied to to university in the UK and I went to the University of Northampton uh, in England finished 2 years and then I had an opportunity to represent India at the Asian Games in 2014 so I didn't ended up dropping out of university only finishing with a diploma decided to pursue my dreams of uh, being an equestrian. Wow, you went to the University of England and you had a degree in business and psychology, right? That's correct. I studied psychology and business uh, management. So from there you decided to pursue a career in this sports only. So what were the series of incidents or happenings that led you to follow this as your passion and you know build a career around itself now? like i said before it was something that were, that's in my blood and it was very difficult for me to um, let's say forget about horses i must say when i was at university i was always thinking about uh, riding and horses and the times i had in india and how um, how nice they were and so on i must say it was something that never got out of my system and then i got this opportunity to ride for the embassy group um the embassy banner to represent india at the asian games at that point i'd already finished two years of university which i must say i was a quite a good student i wasn't struggling at university let's say but and plus i had you know done the two years of hard work and so on so i was really in a in a dilemma of what i should do whether i should yes finish school finish everything then i have a degree and so on and so forth or do i pass up on this amazing opportunity that i've always dreamed about and i've always wanted to do it didn't take very long to make the right decision but i i think i have made the right decision in the end and here we are i'm chasing my dreams and i'm very fortunate to be able to do so yes you have made a good choice and no doubt in it that's actually the time when adults at the age of 18 or 20 they had a dilemma either to opt for a specific well defined career path like medical or engineering like 
or to simply channelize their passion do what they love doing or simply seek their purpose right i i agree with you and i think it's it's quite a difficult decision to make ultimately because you know especially in in uh, for this sport um, in india especially it's difficult to make a career out of it or, or or and so on at least it was then and it is still now it is possible of course but to really make a suitable comfortable let's say living out of a sport like this uh, especially equestrian sport i don't speak for racing or something like that it's it's difficult so for me at that point i was thinking yes there is a possibility to study and then i can have a you know a steady uh, job and so on or do i do this and take a punt but in the end i must say you if you do if you really do what you want to do uh, you never work a day in your life for one and two it all falls into place gradually the work ethic is there the passion importantly the passion is there the interest is there then your creativity your your aptitude for learning your willingness to learn your your willingness to improve it comes without any effort that's that's the beauty of it if you follow your passion and you follow what you really want to do at the beginning it might be difficult to to really see the the light in the tunnel but as you know if you plow through it a little bit and you just work a bit harder and so on and then then it all falls into place in a very natural way nothing is forced i believe is simply like the choices that you make it's always say that you know one good choice always leads to the another one yes the domino effect i agree with you yes i got to know an amazing fact about you that in 2018 when you won the medal for india in the asian games you ended india's 36 years of drought of not winning a medal in equestrian sport and you got an arjuna award for that too in the following year so what was the feeling of achievement we like and and another feeling of breaking such a long lost record what was running in your mind way back then so i must say i i had very high expectations of myself going into those asian games i didn't find out about this 36 year drought until i'd actually won the medal so nobody had told me this but i was aware that team india the team competition we had won medals i think in 2006 and and um i knew the the team had won a medal but as an individual medal i wasn't aware of at that point but uh, i'm happy i wasn't at least when i was competing i wasn't too focused on that <laughs> because of the added pressure and so on so but of of course in the end it's an amazing feeling and the way i see it now is it's in the past now it's it's good to go back to the past but for a short time and main thing is to live in the present and look forward to the future so the only useful thing from the past is the experience so that's the way i see it the asian games are done and dusted now and we look on to bigger and better things coming up <laughs> oh yes definitely so learn from the past and move ahead in life So Tokyo Olympics was scheduled to be last year but unfortunately covid happened and shifted the Olympics to this year. So from an athlete's perspective postponement of such a grand event was it a sigh of relief as more time up for prepping up or it simply increased the level of performance pressure and expectations from everyone? I must say for a question athlete uh, on the whole I would say it's a positive positive scenario let's say because uh, you get an added year to train an added year to gain experience and develop your relationship with the horse and um further strengthen your bond and training 
I feel for a lot of other athletes, especially athletes in, you know, in disciplines like running or various other disciplines uh, where they peak at a certain age and, you know, they might be going into that peak age or just coming out of it. So it's quite difficult for the other athletes. Fortunately, for equestrian athletes, that doesn't pose so much of a, uh, of a disturbance to have the games postponed by a year. And personally, for me, it's it came as a blessing in disguise. Of course, uh, 2020 hit COVID situation, took everyone, pulled the carpet under everyone's feet. Yeah, it left, it left a big mess. Competition stopped. Life, as, as we know it, stopped. And for me, at that stage, uh, horses, things with my horses weren't right. I must say I had a very difficult start 2020, barring the whole COVID situation. You know, my horses, some suffered small injuries. Things were just not going in my way. And then to have the Olympics postponed was, to me, I was just... <laughs> thanking god because that i needed that the horses needed the time and so did i to regroup get them fit get them healthy again we 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 got that lucky break and uh, you know we're stronger now we're better now and we're looking forward to the games this year i agree it was a blessing in disguise so 2020 was definitely an inevitable year for a lot of people if you look at it from the perspective, so a lot of established businesses flunked. But on the other side, many of the new ideas, imaginations, creativity, perspective, and a lot of things happen in the same year itself. Especially the impact and importance of connecting and upgrading ourselves towards a digital lifestyle. So people are now well connected, meetings are happening virtually, studies are happening virtually. The Indian side of work from home saw some great changes. It definitely laid an impact on life and livelihood for a lot of people, but on a broader perspective, it could have been the much needed change that we were looking for. Yes, I agree with you. And sometimes it's quite difficult to see the positive side of such a negative uh, situation. Uh, but if you look deep enough and you just pay a little bit attention, you can definitely find the plus points or the, the, the plus side to this horrible thing like COVID and so on. So... Right. So now let's talk about your personal life, especially the time when you are not at all practicing. It's uh, very different to how my life was back in India because um, horses, it's 24-7, round-the-clock work. Um, not unlike any other sport where you can just put your playing kit in the garage or leave it in the back of your car. Horses, uh, after training, after exercising you know we have to look after them it's like for example it's like taking care of a little child um, you know it's a it's a full day job so a lot of my time free time is still spent with the horses and in in the nicest way possible you know we look after them we take care of them and and if I'm not I must say I am totally involved in this sport so if I'm if I'm not riding, I'm watching videos, seeing how other people are doing things, you know, reading about the sport, about the, the veterinary aspect of the sport, uh, how best to manage horses and so on. So I am i don't know anything else anymore. I only know horses, I can safely say. <laughs> right. So does this affection with animals, especially a horse in your case, does it bring a sort of joy, happiness, calmness in your life when you are being surrounded by them on a long term especially? 
Yes, I I think uh, thinking about it now, I get a lot of satisfaction from working with this animal and and being around them. And would would be very strange for me if I went or if I had a day where I didn't see a horse or I didn't interact with a horse because it's it's just so natural and um, consistent and or constant in my life that now if if I had a day without seeing horses or being around them, I would feel very strange. <laughs> wow so what's the most important thing you keep in your mind while you are prepping up or you are training with your horses so obviously we have to look at training them like you would like any athlete would look at training themselves of course we have different aspects in our sport that we have to work on each horse has its own strengths and weaknesses so you work on those in different ways of course you know training training uh, methods vary for each horse individually and so on so there is a lot that we look into uh, training horses and preparing them for certain events we also have to look at the conditions of uh, the competitions that we're going to compete in terrain is one aspect of it so for example in our cross country course you could have a very flat terrain which means the preparation for it would be diff- slightly different if you had terrain which was very hilly when you have hilly terrain the horses have to be a lot fitter to take the rigors of terrain that is up and down and so on um so there's a lot i mean it, it's difficult to put everything in one pot I, i i really need a lot of time to explain all these various aspects <laughs> yeah definitely so you said in an interview that you know while working with horses flat foot and schooling are quite important so can you simplify that for the audience what exactly these are yes yeah, so the flat work and the schooling of horses is the basic groundwork that a rider and a horse have to put in to have all their basic trainings in place so example your aids your correct seat position the balance of the horse the way the horse is working and so on if you have a good foundation like anything it's only on top of that can you grow further and if there are some mistakes in this foundation it'll get showed up in the later stages so uh, and the flat work i would say is also very important in for me at least to build this relationship and this partnership with the horse because it's at these at this level you or the horse tuned into or, or learns to get tuned into to your riding to what your body is saying to to your aids and your um seat position and so on and if this is if there is any fault or default in this level then as you get to the higher levels then it starts to show up a little bit if there was a weakness in your foundation you know to me it's very very important and flat work and schooling what it means to us is train the horses we teach them different movements so these movements not only make them it's like training yoga or or something like this where you train your body to be more flexible to get stronger and to be let we train their body to adapt to what what will come later on in competition so you really prepare them for the rigors of competition and in doing this you develop a, you you develop a strong bond uh, you know your horse's weaknesses you know his strengths you work on his strengths as weaknesses and so on and this ultimately for me creates the the relationship between horse and rider okay now i get it so you clarified a lot of my concepts and the ambiguity that i had <laughs> relating to these terminologies so you explained it beautifully over here <laughs> 
so as you stated earlier that in this sports your horse is your second half so it's the training diet selection specifically is of the utmost importance right so when it's about the horses let's say selection of horses to be very specific over here for people or amateurs who are just starting out in this sports so what sort of advice you want to give to them as per your experience so far oh, the way i look at it you should have you uh, as a rider as any athlete you set yourself goals uh, in respect to your equestrian goals your horse is also very important so for example if i was a rider just starting out my goal or my idea of getting a horse would be a schoolmaster for me so a horse that would be able to take me to the next level let's say for example if i was a rider starting out i wouldn't want to go and get a horse who's also just starting out in his in his career i would like to get a horse that's already been trained already established in his way of going and is schoolmaster like a teacher like a professional teacher so the horse teaches me a lot of good things and if i make some mistakes the horse then can compensate for those mistakes whereas if i was just starting out and i went and bought a new young horse that i'd have to train the horse as well as train myself then the you know when a, when you make a mistake the horse obviously is too too young too green too much of a novice to compensate or to forgive you for those mistakes so starting out i would always get a horse that's well trained established in his discipline that way um, you can learn a lot of good things from the horse and if you make some mistakes the horse will always forgive you and help you and compensate for those mistakes and then once you've developed as a rider yourself you've developed a good uh, foundation and and you are ready to to go on and tackle bigger bigger competitions bigger or higher levels then you can go on and choose a horse that you can start to train and develop in the way you like you'd like it to be you then have the experience of of having the knowledge and the 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 experience of riding these other ho- the the experienced horse which you can shed on your confidence and the um, your training to the young horse and prepare a young horse so choosing a horse solely depends on what goals you have in mind it's it's very uh, let's say dependent on that so and each horse it's like you have to look at it in a way that this horse a will get you to a certain point and from that point you need a different horse to take you to another level and then from there and there it's it's very rare that you see that one it has happened in the past that one horse has taken you from let's say ground zero to the 15th floor that's that is possible but uh, you have to be very very lucky to find an animal like that okay so i'm very much clear on this point that you have just mentioned and i'm sure that it might have answered the queries of a lot of people while being on instagram when i asked them you know i was having you as my guest so what are the what are the queries or questions that you want to ask so the majority of queries and the majority of questions that i got what about the selection yeah. of horses so i guess this much have provided yeah. a deep clarity i hope i hope uh, it has but it's very very important at least for me because uh, a certain horse will take you so far and then you need perhaps when you go up levels you need a better horse and so on and so on so that's that's the way i see it and i think if you if you if there is a mismatch if the either which way if you are a very good rider and you get a horse that may not be so talented it's very difficult to perform 
And if you're a, an amateur rider who gets a very talented horse, but who's probably not so established in his training, it's again then very difficult to perform. So it really is goal dependent on what your rider, what your goals are as a rider. And I think it's very important to then look out for a horse to suit those goals. And then, of course, you move on from that horse. As you get better in your training, you move on. It's like, you know, F1, then you have F3, where they're racing slightly less powerful cars, and then they upgrade to F1, and then you get the real deal, you know. Whereas if you gave an F3 driver an F1 car, God knows what will happen. (laughs) (laughs) So, Fuad, now I'm taking this course of conversation towards the preparation part of yours. And to begin with, let's talk about the mental fitness first. Because personally, I lay great importance on the mental fitness and mental muscle part. And that's also one of the core ideas behind starting this podcast. So what's your take on mental fitness? How much importance do you lay, especially in your case, in your sports, that is much more dependent on the other person, that is horse in your case, right? Yes, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. The The mental side of, of sport or any aspect in life is very, very important. I would say it's 90% mental and 10% physical because um, a strong mind equals a strong body and vice versa, you know, and it goes from there. Uh, what the things that I do, I, I um, meditate a lot. And I, and I must say, I don't do it. I don't do it in the conventional way. You know, I, I do it. I can do it sitting, sitting in a car. I can do it sitting in a plane or sitting anywhere that I just, Try and focus on nothing. It's hard to say, but try and just avoid thinking and avoid thinking. And and one of the easiest ways of doing that is by just trying to focus on your breathing, breathing in, breathing out. And that, that just takes your mind from all the other thoughts, sounds, noises, whatever's going around outside. Once you do that for a few minutes and then you focus on what you actually need to do with your thinking is very clear. And then uh, I suppose for everyone, it's it's slightly different. They Everybody works uh, differently and so on. And I think it's very important to know how you work or how you think or how you, your clock runs. I think that's very important. And that's, it's, it's important to take time to figure that out, to figure out what makes you tick, what you know what distracts you what what uh, enhances your concentration uh, once you figure out all these little things and it's it by trial and error you get to learn all these various aspects of your mind and once you 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 figure out the system you can fine tune it here and there and you know for example for me before competitions and so on i I, I try not to eat, you know, sweet things like sugar and so on. I feel sugar has has a negative effect on concentration and 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 uh, the mental side of it because it increases inflation in the brain and it's very hard to then focus on one thing. It, you get very distracted easily. At least I feel that when I eat sweets and chocolates, which I really love, but that is what I feel. So I, you know, I try and avoid eating sugar. I have, I do this meditation thing, you know, before I sit on my horse to go and compete or I visualize a lot of how I want to ride, what I want to do. I'm taking notes. I think that's also a very important thing to take notes. If you think of something interesting or you think of something that could work, always take a note of it because it's, I feel it stays more, it stays with you for longer. You can always go back and read it and it'll take you back to that place or uh, that situation. So. 
there are a lot of these small things that I do to prepare myself for competition. And uh, if I am going in for a dressage test, let's say I always write down movement to movement, what I want to do, where I want to, how I want to turn, where, you know, all these sort of things. And then sometimes, nine times out of ten, or let's say most of the time, you write it exactly, you do exactly what you've written down or what you've thought, which is amazing. And it happens, you almost say you go in, I wouldn't say a trance, but you, you get into this flow state. And once you hit this flow state, it's almost like you can have a out-of-body experience. So you're doing it and then you can step out and say, wow, is this actually, you know, you can't believe sometimes how smoothly it's going. But when athletes are in a state of flow in whatever sport uh, they are and it's amazing to watch because they are so in tune to what they're doing and mistakes they never look like they're gonna make a mistake they almost look like machines so it's it's important to to figure out what what helps you get there that's why i say the mental side of it is is very very important mm. so the meditation part that you just mentioned now it's really important you need to or I should say you have to spend some time with yourself in solitude or just have your entire focus shifted to just one thing like like breathing you just mentioned and also the concept of noting is down is is my personal favorite because whenever I come up with any idea or a thought or you know you see anything that fetches my attention quickly I simply note it down immediately so in this manner the intangible idea that is in my mind now or the imagination that I'm stuck I give it a tangible perspective by writing it down I on a agree. piece of paper or simply noting it down in my smartphone. I completely agree with you on that, yes. And moreover, you can visit it later on. You can actually work on it and you know you can make that idea yes. or imagination a reality. Absolutely, yes. You also, you know, when you write it down, you also, when you read it, you go through it, you create this visual aspect in your mind, which is very, very important. And I think when you visualize things or you're able to visualize things, you've already... You've done it in the virtual world. You just have to do it in reality. And it's not that different. <laughs> we might think it is because it's a physical thing. But if you think about it this way, that if you virtually think about kicking a ball into the goal, let's say all your neurological pathways go right to this point. With uh, Let's say they go physically to complete kicking a ball into the goal you have to start from point one two three four five if you think about it you go to one two three four so you you've almost done the whole spectrum of that you've almost completed all those tasks except the physical aspect of kicking the ball into the goal which is number five so if you virtually or you visually think of something enough of doing it exactly how you want to do it you go one two three four and then you think about it again one two three four so you perfect pretty much every single aspect of that spectrum and then the last is the physical aspect which is then that just happens so visualization i think is also very very important especially in sport so as they say you can't be what you can't see <laughs> so for uh, olympics are roughly three months away and it's going to be your first appearance in olympics as well and we are really, you, you know, we are really wishing and we really are hopeful for your success over there that you achieve the best out of it. So let's talk about the physical fitness one, physical fitness one, right? 
and that is of much more major important for any athlete can you give us an idea or maybe a sneak peek into your fitness strategy or something specific that you feel after making it a part of your fitness regimen it brought some amazing changes in you so what's your fitness strategy over here obviously riding is a very physical sport and so you know i'm riding around 5 to 6 hours a day minimum but apart from riding i work predominantly on core strength that's very very important for riders core strength stability and flexibility for a, for an equestrian athlete that is very very important our body has to be supple at the same time it has to be strong and at the same time it has to be stable see if you think about it this way if i gave you uh, a bag with let's say a lot of weight in it and i ask you to run and if that bag was moving around left right left right your job to run itself would be very difficult but if i gave you a bag with weight and it very stable on your on your back for you to run it would be much easier so if you look at it that way so where what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to make the running more easy for my horse by being as stable as still as possible and for in order for ride for riders to achieve that they have to have a lot of core strength because your core strength gives you stability and at the same time you also need flexibility to be able to move with the horse and stay the horse should be an extension of your body and in order for you to be able to do that you have to be very supple and very uh, flexible in the saddle to move with the horse and not to hinder the horse in his uh, movement or his not to hinder his his jump or his gallop and so on and i try to avoid running i i i like running but i think for an equestrian athlete it, it makes you i would say slightly stiff i'm not saying it's it's a complete no go but it, it develops the muscles you don't need for for riding let's say uh so a lot of uh, you know exercises i do on the mat whether it's sit ups and then a lot of exercises balance exercises i do on a on on an exercise ball i i go once a week to see a, a physiotherapist who also trains me so we have different sessions where we work on balance we work on coordination um and then i come home and i try i train these exercises so i get a plan for the week and then i come home and i train these exercises in the week and i must say my riding has improved a lot after looking into this particular aspect of the sport mm perfect perfect so now my final set of questions to you fayad starting with let's talk about the future of this sport in india because in other part of the world especially european countries this sport is quite famous and a lot of developments keep on happening in it well if we talk about india specifically we are still at a stage i feel which require a lot of attention a lot of development and a lot of future leads to you know make this a prominent choice for young athletes to choose from so what will be your suggestions or feedbacks or good practices that you want to share or highlight in front of us so that people can choose from this sport while they are deciding on you know to become an athlete or to represent india in olympics and for the future i think everybody has to start somewhere and of course we're let's say a few years behind but i think india has a lot of talent uh, we have a lot of talent for this sport so that's that's the first thing we're definitely growing in the right direction 
because we're dealing with another animal and uh, there's a lot that goes into maintaining and managing this animal in itself i don't think it's something you can fast track right i think it has to happen in a natural way and it is going in that direction you know you you see a lot more riders riding much uh, riders and young people taking it up at a young age which i think that's what we need because this is this is something uh, i'm not saying is it's not possible to learn when you're older but it is quite difficult to pick up when you're older so the fact that a lot of young people are already getting into it at an early age that's a huge bonus because it is it is a different feeling you know uh, or it is a, a bit scary of course you know to interact with horses first on your first impression and the first time you interact with a horse it is a big animal and it has a mind of its own and and so on so it, it can be a bit nerve-wracking at times but once you do it at a young age you get used to it you get comfortable around them and then it's then you you don't even think about it so the super thing is everyone's taking it up early that's great and um you have more and more uh, riding clubs and centers opening up more shows going on for me i always think the best way to improve is competition you know everybody can be a olympic champion at home but uh, it's a totally different thing when you're uh, in a ring in competition doing the real thing the second we have as we are seeing now we're getting more and more competitions in india which uh, which is which is a huge huge bonus for the riders there and um also the quality of riders and especially the quality of horses are getting better in india and that's exactly what we need our sport is is very very much dependent on the horse i always say you're only as good as your horses and at the moment in india you have a very high quality of horse either being brought in from european countries or other parts of the world or even being uh, bred and grown in india so that's that's a huge huge step forward um there are a lot of aspects that i would like to see improve like uh, the farriery side of it so farriery is the as you're aware horses wear steel shoes we're still a bit behind on this part in india but it's improving there are a lot of programs to teach the farriers that we have in india how to best do it and and how to to best shoe horses of different different types and ages it's 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 a sport that depends on so many uh, variables or so many different aspects and i think one by one we're getting all these aspects into place and once you know everything is in place then i think the the sky is the limit because you know horses have been a part of indian culture for years for centuries horse is indigenous to india you know we have the marwari the khatiwari these are breeds of horses that have their their part of india you know so this is not an animal that's new to us this is an animal that our ancestors have dealt with years and years and years ago it's in everyone's every indian's blood <laughs> Yes yes you pointed out some really nice and i would say noting improvements and suggestions for us <laughs> so thank you thank you on that part uh now for any young child for any young child out there who dream of becoming an equestrian and represent his or her country at international feats so can you guide them or specifically you know for parents who will be listening to you right now can you guide them through a road or maybe a route map right from an early stage while they are choosing a career in this sport right from an early stage so what will be your guide map or your road map or your suggestion for them 
uh, one thing I think we all cannot uh, hide from is the fact that, let's say, I want to say it straight away in the beginning. It is an expensive sport, but it is expensive all over the world. It's not just uh, in India. That's one thing that we cannot uh, avoid because just looking after horses is very, very you know, they need a lot of care, they need a lot of help, and they're very big, so they eat a lot as well. <laughs> that is one thing I'd just like to put out there, but if you're very, very interested in the sport and, you know, you're very comfortable and, and, and around horses and so on, I think the first step would obviously to join a, a riding school in your city or around your area where you train a bit, work on the basics, get the basic foundation in place and so on. And then um, once you've got all of those basics in place and you can slowly start to compete in the regional competitions, uh, once you do that, then you can go into the national levels. From there, if you're very, very talented and you're very hardworking and, and so on, I think from there, go international from there should, should be fairly straightforward, I would say. But of course, it, it's a very, I would say it's, it's difficult from any other sport because you're working with another animal. I can say honestly that there are more hard days than the good days. But the fact that you love working with horses and, and love being around them make the good days 10 times better than the hard days. So even if you have one good day, it counts for 10 hard days. So I think that's very important to keep in mind. As with anything, if you work hard, you really like what you do, then there's, there's no boundaries to what you can achieve and where you can get to. Now, Fouad, my last question to you. So out of all the experiences that you have had in your life till date, be it life in general or be it into you know, being an athlete, being in sports, be it success, failure, anything, what will be your top life three advices or takeaways that you want to share that the real Fouad Mizar sitting right in front of me want to share with young people out of there who are probably in their 20s or 30s that they need some advices or life learnings from you. So what will be your top three life learnings or life advices that you have to offer to them? It's a very good question. Um, I must say, um, I would say one thing I wish I had a bit more of was in the past was uh, I wish I had a bit more self-confidence. That takes you a long way. If you really believe in yourself and you carry yourself in a way that people read you in a better way, people your point of view comes across in a better way. So I think um, self-confidence is, is, is something that I've taken me some time to learn. And I think I wish I had a bit more of that in college and university and, and, and growing up. And the other thing is, um, one thing I've always had is a positive mindset. I always thought I, whatever I did, I could do it. I didn't you know, anything I went into, even if I couldn't do it, I always thought I could do it. <laughs> and I think that's important. Experience, uh, the experiences you gain from different situations, is it's amazing. And to put yourself in uncomfortable situations is the best thing you can do to yourself. I always feel if you uh, if you get into an uncomfortable situation, I I, I I wouldn't worry about it too much. I would I would always almost look at it as a positive thing. The more you will get out of your comfort zone, the more you grow. If I had if I had known this five, six, seven years ago, I would have me a lot more. And I, but I've you know it's never too late, and I've understood that now. And good way forward. So the first one is this self confidence that you said. 
so have a belief in yourself trust yourself and that you can do it the second one yes. is the affirmations no matter how against the situation might be be yes. affirm stay positive and you know look for the opportunity exactly. instead of distress and failures in it absolutely and third one yes. i i want you to repeat it again for us man please to to get out of your comfort zone and to be at home or be competent in uncomfortable situations because um it's very easy for you to do things when you're comfortable and you're you know in your comfort zone but i think if you you know you go and seek things that make you uncomfortable that's when you when you grow or be comfortable with the uncomfortable <laughs> but that's amazing one be uncomfortable with the comfortable wow So if people want to reach out to you what is the best possible way to get in touch with you So until early this year I had no social media platforms I I have a Instagram account now uh, so you can follow me on Instagram at the rate of Fuad Mirza it's my official page where you can follow a, a bit of what I'm doing and about my daily life and there's a lot of fun videos of me training working with the horses and going to various shows and competing and so on so yeah follow me a bit on that and actually that's the only social media platform i have <laughs> to be honest but so forward thank you so much for being a part of this show thank you thank you so much it was a great conversation it was a great time that we had over the past 30 40 minutes we involved in some of the great conversations some good insights from you most, about this sport about life in general all the motivations kind of stuff that you put up Thank you so much and we just wish you all the best from full of our heart that you know we are damn sure that you are going to make and you are going to you know earn some great stuff out of there in olympics that are going to hell in just 3 months so all the very best thank you very very much mayank and uh, it was an honor to be on your podcast i'm sure we will be in touch so That's what I've got for today's episode. If you love this episode, please take a screenshot of this and tag me at M A Y A N K S E H R A and Fawad at F O U A A D M I R Z A on Instagram. We really appreciate you for this. So now, step out, follow your instinct, and seek the purpose you are destined to. I'll see you in the next episode with another purpose seeker. Cheers.